This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. This podcast is sponsored by The Forward. Stay up to date with unlimited access to news, culture, and opinion all through a Jewish lens. And for our listeners, for 2NJB listeners, get six months of The Forward for only $10. That's 67% off. An exclusive subscription offer for our listeners, forward.com slash 2NJB, and get six months for 10 bucks. Also in collaboration with Arutz Sheva, IsraelNationalNews.com. And last but not least, in collaboration with Australian Jewish News, check them out at AJN.TimesOfIsrael.com. Israel is a pretty small country, just about 9 million. But for our size, we pack quite a punch. Everybody knows the old Nobel laureate spiel. Israelis have won a whopping 12 since 1966, and that's crazy for a country of our size. So it seems like we got the brains, but what about the brawn? Unlike the US, Russia, and China, Israel doesn't have the resources to nurture young athletes from an early age on their journey to become the best athletes in their field. This is why we never particularly excelled at the Olympics. There are, however, a few fields of sport in which we are pretty good. Surfing is one, and judo, as has been known recently, is another. Out of nine Olympic medals Israel has gotten in the Olympics throughout the years, five were in the field of judo. Yael Arad was the pioneer when she brought us the silver medal in 1992 and became the first Israeli to win an Olympic medal. More than a decade later, in 2004, Arik Ze'evi won the bronze medal and made history. Since then, Arik has been inspiring generations of martial artists in Israel and throughout the world. So without further ado, 2NJB is super proud to have our first Olympic medalist, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Arik Ze'evi. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. With pleasure. So um, please don't beat us up. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm out of shape. So <laughs> that's yeah. how you were when you were out of shape, huh? <laughs> corona, right? Yeah, yeah, I retired eight years ago. So, but but yeah. we can say Corona. Yeah. We'll give you an excuse. Okay. We're throwing you a bone. <laughs> so tell us how it all started. I mean, did you start at like, like two? Did you come out kicking and punching? No, no. no. I started training when I was seven years old. Okay. In a community center near my house, but I grew up in a very bad neighborhood. It's called Pardeskats. I oh, don't know wow. if you know it. It's yeah. famous for mafia. Exactly, long. exactly. Very tough. I started training in the shelter in the community center in Pardeskats. It's, it's as bad as it sounds. 50 meters square. The mat was so thin. Every time we fell on the mat, we really fell the floor. The wow. coach who started training me was only 16 and a half years old. <laughs> Just got his <laughs> diploma as an instructor and opened up the club without any experience at all. The only reason I started training judo, not that the option was too high, was because that coach was my neighbor. So my elder brother started training before me and I was following them like any young brother. As, as you understand, it's a it's coincidence that I'm in judo. Like all the Israeli sports, everything is coincidental, you know. Yeah. You can be the next Michael Phelps in Israel. If you're not living next to a swimming pool, you won't even know that you have the talent to be a swimmer. It's not like you're part of a long generation of judo warriors that have no. passed it down for hundreds of years. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. It's, 
you know, if, if my coach was a karate instructor, so I would be training in karate. But karate is not an Olympic sport, so I won't be an Olympic athlete. So I'm very lucky that it was wow. judo, and judo is an Olympic Why sport. Why isn't karate Olympic sports? In Tokyo, it will be the first time that, that karate will be an Olympic, but as a demonstration. If it will work out, so uh-huh. it will be a part of the Olympic community. But I don't know. I think because there are... A lot of type of, of karate, karate do, karate mm. full contact. I'm not sure. But what was the moment? Okay, you started at yeah. seven, but what was the moment, if you remember, that you fell in love with judo? Yeah. I think the moment that everything became serious was when I was 15 years old. Uh, I won the Israeli championship in seniors. Seniors in judo, it's 21 up. Mm. I became the youngest ever who ever won that, that title. And I started training with the Israeli national team. And it was... Wait, so you at 15... Sorry, I had yeah, to pause on yeah, At 15, you were yeah. beating up like 22-year-olds. Exactly. In the final, I beat uh, the <laughs> wow. brother of uh, Oren Smadja. His older brother, he was 24 years old. Okay, Oren Smadja is the second Olympic exactly, winner. Exactly, exactly. I was also surprised that I won that gold medal. Wow. Time. And uh, I started training with the national team. And it was three months before Barcelona Olympic game. When Yael Arad and Oren Smadja won their... Olympic medal and when they won the medal suddenly everything become very professional you know I suddenly saw that you know I maybe I can be also in the Olympic game I can win a medal like in Before the before 92 you didn't realize there's this path no I, yeah I just I just wanted to be as good as I can you know I, I will tell you a story when I was 14 years old I flew for the first time to represent Israel in the competition it was in French and I We landed at the uh, Zurich airport. It was the first time that I ever took a flight. You know, from Pardeskats to be in Zurich, it's a <laughs> <laughs> big difference. I lost. It's also a rough neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Zurich. in Zurich, yeah. <laughs> yeah different rough. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I remember that the coach told me, okay, we are going to, to eat lunch at a restaurant. I told him, wait, I have to bring my, uh, my wallet. He told me, no, you are representing Israel. We are paying for everything. I said, wow, really? Wow. I want to fly again. You know, my, my only goal was to fly again to represent Israel because suddenly I saw that it's a... So only when I was 15 years old and I started training with the national team and I started to go to, to represent Israel in competition and Oren won the medal, suddenly... You know, there was a pat that I can aim for. But before it was, I just wanted to be as good as I can. That's it. But after, okay. Mm. So you trained, you got to the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, no biggie. And then, <laughs> and of course the training is, to, to us, it's non-human, right? It's like, uh, to us simpletons, <laughs> you train for days and months and years. What does the years. training look like? I will tell you the truth. To be an athlete, it's not so j- difficult physically. Okay. I, I know people 40 years old that are training to be an Ironman. They're training even, you know, harder than I trained. The, the problem to be an Israeli athlete or an, an Olympic athlete is that you have like one chance every four years to succeed in your goal, to win mm-hmm. an Olympic medal. And it's a, it's a big stress that you know that you, it's either you, you win or... All the four years were in vain. So that is the biggest problem to be an Olympic athlete. The training, you know, they are hard, but I don't know. I think, I think if I miss something, is, is the life is being an athlete. You know, you are training two times a day. You can uh, rest at uh, the afternoon. You're going to every two weeks. You are flying to a different country. It's an interesting life. Mm-hmm. But the problem is th- there is a lot of stress when you are an How Olympic athlete. How would the athlete. day look like? Yeah. Uh, 
It depends. Uh, if I'm training two times a day, so we have the morning session at nine o'clock and then you have to, you know, do a physiotherapic treatment. I did like three times a week because all my body is hurt. <laughs> uh, in the evening, it's around six o'clock, so you can rest in the, in the afternoon. After a few years that I trained like that, I realized that I have to do something else because just being an athlete, it's not enough. So I started learning in the IDC. I learned. Mm-hmm. low in business and uh, I was also the host of uh, Sport TV if you know in, uh, mm-hmm. in Channel 11 in Israel so I realized that I have to do something else because just to wait for the next training it's boring so yeah, yeah. so so you spoke of you know the the pressure yeah uh, the pressure every it's huge. four years and also I guess if you're an athlete I guess your career your adult career is probably something like 15 years at most yeah yeah So most. you basically have at most four chances yeah. at this goal. Yeah. So there's a lot of, so can you talk about like, like what the first time you reach that place, yeah. how did you deal with that stress? I'll tell you more than that. When you're a football player or basketball player, you have every week, you have a game, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like, even if you are not winning the Olympic medal in basketball, you still, you are playing in your team and you can be, you can show your ability. Yeah. In judo now it's better because you have the Grand Slam and Grand Prix but when I was a professional athlete there was only world championship once every two years and the European championship every year so you have only one chance every year to try to do something with that year and my first Olympic was in Sydney I by the way I participate in four Olympic games I qualified to five I also qualified to Atlanta in 96 I was 19 years old but they didn't send me I don't know if you remember but back then the Olympic Committee has something that you you need to do the Israeli qualification the international one is not enough you have to do the Israeli one so I didn't do that so they Which decided involves what combinot and uh... not combinot <laughs> they decided Israel I will tell you something they they like the uh, how do you say the percentage of success for example if they're sending 10 athletes and they have two medals 20% of our delegation brought medals in the US for example they brought 1,000 that they have 100 medal only 10% succeeded there so if they will send a 19 years old it will ruin you know their percentage so okay. they decided to, to send only people that can qualify to a final now they they remove that and if you are young and you did the, the international qualification you can go to the Olympic but back then they decided to, to leave me here and Sydney was my first Olympic game what, what year 2000 okay I was 23 years old and uh, I did a great competition in the first matches I won two Olympic champions one from Hungary and one from Poland I uh, managed to get to the fight for the bronze medal 57 seconds to the end you see I remember it uh, clearly the referee did a mistake and I lost that fight now I'm not saying I did a mistake because I lost the same referee got suspended for two years because of his mistake But it didn't change the fact that I remain without an Olympic medal. Wait, 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 wait. They wait, don't wait. reverse the uh, decision? Now they have like the VAR in football. They have video camera that every time that the referee is doing a decision, the referee on the control can look at that. And if he did a mistake, they're telling him. But back then, if the referee decided something, that's it. It was like, like in football before the... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it was a very difficult moment for me because... You know, what was the, the mis- what, is it very technical or uh, it did something on the ground you know in judo there there is you need to throw your opponent on the back and you can also uh, submit your opponent you know by strength like in MMA for example he uh-huh. did an arm lock and I saw that I'm I'm right if you are crossing the how do you say it in the, the judo, line yeah exactly if you yeah. are going out of the line the referee must stop the the fight so I saw that I'm 
right, right next to the line. So I did a turn. I flipped myself in order to be outside of the line. And the referee didn't uh, stop the fight. And, and he did the arm lock. And I, I need to surrender. So I lost the match. I have the photo wow. if you want to say that. I'm outside of the line. So it was clearly, wow. yeah, it was a clear cut. But I don't think it's a mistake. The referee that did that mistake was from uh, Cote d'Ivoire. I don't know how to say it in English. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ivory Coast. Ivory, Ivory Coast, Coast, exactly. And, and my rival was a, a guy from France. And his coach was one of the legends. Uh, okay. Wow. It's not that he wanted to... In to... South America, they would have decapitated him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not because I was from Israel. He wanted to help the French guy, you know. It's yeah. uh, wow. like Russian. Once always. a colony, always a colony. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was a very difficult moment for me because it, it's one thing to lose. It's not fun to lose. But if someone beats me, so, you know, I'm an athlete. If I'm, he's bad or he's yeah, bad. Yeah, exactly. I'm used to that. But it's a different thing to lose because someone did a mistake. Because I told myself, okay, now I have to train for four more years. I can be the best in the world. And another referee can come and do a, another mistake on purpose or not on purpose. doesn't really matter. And it took me like three weeks to decide that I, uh, I'm, I'm, I want to continue to another four years because, you know, it was a very difficult moment to see that things are not totally in my control, in my hands. It was, a, you know, a understanding that uh, it took me a while to recover from it. How, how did you, how do you deal with such... Um, After three weeks, I told myself, okay, if I will retire now... Were you depressed? Yeah, I was very depressed. Nobody know, knew about it because, you know, it was a success for me because I finished fifth and I, suddenly everybody knew me because in Israel back then, you, you could see only the Olympic Games, you know. You, nobody know, knowed me before, the, before Sydney. But after three weeks, I told myself, if I will retire now, so I give this referee opportunity to... To win me twice one time he took my medal and the second time he made me retired and uh, now i'm giving up my biggest dream in the world to be an olympic medal so i decided to do something to to take that burn and to use it what, what do i mean every time i felt that i need a boost of motivation i put the video of that mistake wow. of the referee i was filled with hunger and i went to train you know i used that <laughs> That burn wow. in order to be, yeah, I self-motivated myself, yeah. Wow. A shrink could have made <laughs> a career out of that technique. Yeah, fr from this point, it became a, like a system, like a method. You know, I wrote a post a few weeks ago about Ran Zeavi, and he did the same. I wrote to him after he lost... You uh, gotta explain our audience. Who uh, Ran Zeavi, yeah, he's not well known. In America, I don't There's think so. There's a guy in my company named Ran Zavi. So he's immediately, a, immediately, whenever I hear that he's name a, now... <laughs> I'm a, not a big sports guy, but he's a soccer, he's a soccer player. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest. Yeah. And he's... He has a career abroad, very now successful. He, now he plays in China, right? No, now he went to, to Holland. He's playing in Eindhoven. It's ah, a very, yeah. yeah. But a few weeks ago, we have a very critical game, Israel against Scotland, and the game got to penalties. He still plays for the Israeli... Yeah, 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 okay. the Israeli I'm national just... team. And Iran Zahavi, the biggest star of the Israeli team, got to the how say, penalty, and he missed his penalty. And because of that, we didn't qualify to the Euro. And I wrote to him, uh, I understand how you feel. It reminds me what happened for me in London when I lost after 43 seconds. But I, I, I needed to retire right after London. You still have your career. So try to use this burn that you feel now to become better. And he wrote me, 
don't worry, I'm hungry than ever. Six days later, Israel played against uh, Slovakia. Slovakia was leading 2-0, and Iran Zavi scored three goals, and Israel won 3-2. Wow. And I wrote a post about it that he could have, you know, uh, been, uh, how do you say, to so feel sorry about himself and to feel angry about the world, but he decided to do something else, to took that moment and to become better, and he scored three goals. So I nice. think it's something, yeah, we should all learn it from it. Do you think that like that was something that happened when you were a kid, when you were started training at age seven? Was that something you learned from a coach or something? <laughs> from the 16-year-old yeah. guy who didn't know about judo anything. He was 16 years old, but he was a uh, Georgian. Soviet uh, Union Georgian, not okay. United States Georgia. Gruzini. Yeah. If you they know, never get depressed. Failure is not an option. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are uh, warriors. It's, yeah. it's a country of warriors. So I think... Uh, I took a lot from him in the mental side because in judo, he wasn't so good. He wasn't so technical. He was 16 years old. Eh? But mentally, he was, he was a fighter. You know, when, when he was young, he told us, you will be the world champions. We lost in the Bnebra competition, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> he, he told, said it to you. Yeah, he said it's it to us. Yeah, it, it is crazy. You know, when I was <laughs> 13 years old, it was my first competition in senior, 21 and up. Now when I'm thinking about it, I was only 13 years old. Bar Mitzvah, I just celebrated my Bar Mitzvah and I competed again. Guys, it was crazy. He sent us to compete with older than us, with stronger than us. And I think he built uh, my uh, mental ability. How, how was that even possible? Like, how did he get, did he sneak you guys? He was like, yeah, this, he's 21. No, he's 21. You, I would tell you, I, I was very big since I was very young. From, from 13 years old, I think I'm in the same height. Yeah, I was like, in my bar mitzvah, I was 73 kilos, but very tall oh, wow. and very strong. And so in my age, I, I, I didn't have any competitors. So w when you don't have a competitor in your age, so they, they al allowed you to compete in, in, with bigger uh, athletes. So when I won, and if you are winning a medal in, till the age of 18, you are able to compete till the age of 21. If you are taking a medal, so you have the opportunity to compete. So I, I don't know, I'm looking, on, and now I'm a coach, so I've, I have kids that are 13, 14 years old. I'm not dreaming about sending them, them to, to compete against seniors. It's crazy, but it was crazy. And I think it helped wow. me to be, become better. Yeah. So, okay. So you take this anger yeah. and use it. Yeah. you use it and you train really hard. And then 2004 comes Yeah. and the pressure is huge. <laughs> Terrible. To, to Athens, I came, I won three times the European Championship. Uh, and a silver medal in the world championship and it, that year was undefeated so i was a very i was a favorite for a medal and the stress was awful i was i could walk in the street and people were shouting zevi we are counting on you don't let us down <laughs> and you know I, i'm not i'm not a football player i'm not used to that kind of support and uh, when i entered into the arena i saw all the the arena was covered with israeli flag posters of me people was wearing my name on their forehead 2500 people came to cheer me in athens and i was the only israeli who competed that day they, they came to, to support me i was shocked i thought you know my friends and family will come judo supporters 50 people 100 people you Two didn't realize the no it was crazy i didn't think about it that athens is, is pretty close and and i was a nominate for an historical gold medal because gal friedman didn't want his medal back then and I was under a lot of stress, I'm telling you, because suddenly I started to think, what will happen if I will lose? You know, when you're going to watch a football game or a basketball game, even if your team is losing, 
you watch the game, you know, people was, were running, <laughs> something happened in 90 minutes. In judo, there is hippon, it's knockout, and it can happen seconds from the beginning. I once lost after seven seconds. And suddenly I started to uh, imagine a scenario that I'm going on the mat and all the crowd is shouting, ah, Rick, ah, Rick. Seven seconds, I'm out. <laughs> you know, they bought a flying ticket, they reserved an hotel, uh, they want the money back, I'm in a big problem. And <laughs> in moments like this, I have, a, I have a method. It's not, I didn't invent it. A lot of athletes are doing it. If you will watch a basketball game, you will see that the guy who is, who is standing on the free front lawn is doing a, a routine. Some of them are, how do you say, tapping the ball. Mm-hmm. How do you say, Macadre? Uh, dri- um, dribbling. <laughs> dribbling. Some of them are taking a big breath. In football, Ronaldo, you will see before a free kick, he's doing a three steps uh, back and then he's standing with his pose. Nadal in tennis is the crazy one. Before every time he's batting, he's doing with the nose like this, with the hair, with his hair. They're doing a routine. Why does it help? Because when you are doing a routine, you're focusing at that moment in the routine. You want to, to, be, to be good at that. It means that at that moment, you're not thinking about what will happen if you will lose. You... you, you you succeeded at that moment to be on total focus, to it's be meditation. right. meditation. Exactly. It's like meditation. In psychological, they say that our mind can think about two things both, both times. So if you are managing to focus on something, you are kicking the other thought aside. So I did it in Athens, and, and it worked in the beginning. But a few minutes before I went on the mat, it's true here, yeah? what I'm telling you right now, the security guard, the Israeli security guard told me, good luck, Eric, but I want to tell you something. You see... Hundreds of people from that crowd flew this morning from Israel. They came, <laughs> they're watching your competition and they're going back to Israel. They came only for you. So good luck. It, it was tapping on my back what and I was idiot. looking. <laughs> he wanted to help me, but he didn't realize <laughs> he ruined my mat. I, I had a very bad competition <laughs> in Athens. I think I should have won a, a, a gold medal, but somehow because of the crowd in, in the first two matches, I, I was very bad. In the second round, he was leading. He threw me f- two times. In 30 seconds in the beginning i'm telling you that year i i didn't fail for one time all the year and in that mat after three seconds i find myself two times on the mat and i remember that point i looked at the crowd they were like crazy singing a football game a football songs you know <laughs> there's, there's no judo song <laughs> crazy thing i can't sing it in english but like uh, michelo kofetsugoi you know something crazy maccabi <laughs> apoel <laughs> But at that moment, I don't know, I felt all the crowd is, is with me. And, and I became filled with anger and, and I was emotional and I started attacking the Italian guy. And only 38 seconds to the end, I managed to beat him. But something happened at that match. Suddenly, I, I managed to, to, to embrace the crowd and it helped me to be on the podium, even though I wasn't at my best at that competition. Which leads to the, this basic question. Yeah. How- in sports in general, but in your field, how much of it is about athlete, being a good athlete or a good sports person at all, and how much of it is psychological? Maybe, maybe most of it is psychological. Maybe you could win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, people like to say it's all in your head. In sports, they like to say it, it's all yeah. in your head. But believe me, not everything is in our head. You can be very strong in your head. If you will swim against Michael Phelps, uh, you will lose <laughs> yeah. because there are many aspects to success. Head is one of them. But the thing I, I realized that our head stops us many times from showing our real ability. Our head stops us many times from, sh- from showing our real potential. 
And, and I think that is so frustrating. I think we all live in a very competitive world. And in a competitive world, you don't have to be bad in order to lose. You don't have to do huge mistakes in order to lose. Sometimes it's enough that you are not at your best in order to lose. And at that point, the head is, is, a, is a critical thing. Try to be the, the best version you can do at that moment. And sometimes I heard, you know, is we started thinking about what will happen if we will lose. What, what, and, and, and then we are not at our best. So You were so prepared. But, but psychology is what yeah. failed you at the end. Exactly, Which... because I wasn't prepared that so many crowd will be there, so many Israeli crowd will be there. Something from the mental aspect didn't work there because I didn't prepare myself. It was the first time that Israeli crowd came to watch an Israeli athlete. I'm not an Israeli national team of football or basketball. So the surprise shocked me in the beginning. It took me a while to recover from it. But if I was... was prepared for that maybe maybe the competition but do you think today like yeah. an athlete should have uh like uh, a mental coaching of course i also worked with a mental coach i had a sports psychologist who worked with me but Boris back me. in the day it wasn't no no i worked in with the him, 90s we didn't think about the crowd you know it wasn't an issue we worked about something else you know we did the simulation of the matches against the japanese against the korean no, i mean I... but a culture Like, like they say, a mental culture, a guy who talks about you believing in yourself mm -hmm. and just gives you confidence, you know, maybe that's what sports, I don't know. I'm, I think I, they I think have it's, that uh, today, it's, no? it's critical. I work with a guy like this, but, you know, I worked with uh, two different uh, sports psychologists and they have two different systems. One of them was like uh, the Russian, uh, Boris Blumenstein, it was Russian and it was, it was like training session. For example, there is a thing called the biofeedback. I don't know if you know it. It's like an ele electrode that you are putting on your finger and it's, it's uh, testing your, uh, it's called uh, mental strength, stress, okay? You can see if you are stressed, if you are relaxed. And we did a simulation with a Japanese guy, for example, and he could see on the computer if I'm attacking at the match, if I'm too relaxed. And afterwards, we analyzed the match and we saw that I have some problems in the beginning of the match, I'm too relaxed, or in the end of the match that I'm too relaxed. He can see if I'm attacking in my mind. And then we can work on it on the mat. So we did like training session. So for example, we worked about uh, uh, my reaction. What do I mean? Sometimes, uh, I don't know, the pencil is falling from the table and you are managed to grab it very fast. We feel, I'm very fast. It happens to you? Yeah. But if once. I would tell you... Once. 1998. <laughs> But if I would tell you now, be careful, I'm now throwing the pencil, try to grab it. So suddenly you will become very stressed because you, you, you want to grab the pencil. Yeah. And because you are stressed, you will, be, uh, uh, you will be slowest than before. So in order to be fast, You have to be very relaxed. It's, it's a little bit, uh, you know... Reverse uh, yeah, Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. you, see, you will see sprinters on the 100-meter line. You will see that they are very relaxed. Their muscles are very relaxed. That way they can react very fast. So we, we worked on it with, the, with Boris, with the sports psychologist. And the second one was totally different. It was like more traditional psychologist that talked with me about my problem, tried to clear my head. So... I told you about that because there are different ways to deal with the, the mental ability. So every psychologist is taking a, a different mm -hmm. uh, version. 
So, but you you spoke about you know the the way you felt after the match in Athens. Yeah. Eventually, you reached the podium and you're standing yeah. on the podium. And I always yeah. wondered kind of what silver and bronze medalists feel like because here <laughs> you kind of described it in, with a shade of failure. But is that how you felt? Did you feel like you failed yourself, or did you? I mean, because after all, it is a huge success. Yeah. Before I will I'll tell you that in judo, it's very common that you see the guys who are standing on the podium. The first place is, of course, is very happy. The second place is very sad. And the bronze medal is very happy. Why? <laughs> because the podium is right after the final match. So the guy who just lost the gold medal is upset because he just lost. He can't, he can't smile. The bronze medalist just won his medal for the fight for the bronze. Because if he was, it was, if he was, was losing, it was... You know, beyond that. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. finished fifth. So you say the bronze medalist is always smiling and the second and the silver medalist <laughs> is always uh, upset. But few months after the competition, you see that the silver medalist is more happy than the bronze man. And as, your, as to your question, I think that I was deserved to be, uh, to be in the final in Athens, to fight against the Makaro from Belarus and to fight for the gold medal. Uh, I don't like to say it, but also in Athens, there was a very uh, big problem with the referee, the, the fight in the quarterfinal against the Korean. In, after 22nd, I threw him. The middle referee gave an epon, a knockout, but the referee, the side referee, changed it to Wazari. It's a, it's a lowest point. Uh, I threw him for the second time, for the third time. I was leading. You know, it was like the match was in my hand. One minute to the end, the Korean threw me. I, I felt that I is going to throw me, so I, I, I started to turn on my. You know, in judo only, if you are on your back, it's an epon, it's a knockout, and if you're on the side, it's different score. So I managed to throw, to fall on the side, and the referee, the middle referee, gave just a point. the The side referee changed it to reverse it to an epon, mm. and the match was over. And I was killing him all the match, and I was surprised that they gave an epon because it wasn't an epon. And after that loss, I I started to fight to fight with myself for because one side told myself, okay, if it's not a gold, I don't want to compete. I want to I want to go back to Israel. I don't want to compete. And the second side told me. Eric, you still have the chance to win the bronze medal. You have to be focused. You have to forget about that loss. It was a very difficult moment for me. There was a break of two hours before the fight for the bronze medal. And I remember that I, I was walking around the, the warming up area and I was, I was fighting with myself. One time said, one, one side said, Eric, it's too bad that you lost for the gold medal. You are not at your best right now. At least you won a few matches. The crowd saw some matches. You know, they didn't lost on the first on the first match. And the other side said, "No, you will go for the bronze. Don't give up." It's like that. That's the moment that I felt uh, that I need to to uh, how do you say to take your take yourself yeah, by to, the hand. to use all my mental ability in order to, to to be there, to stay there, to try to win the bronze because. Okay, it's not the gold medal, but it's, it's still a medal. If, and if I would, would give it up that moment, I would hate myself till, till the end of my career. But in the end, so when you were standing on, on yeah. the podium, you yeah. felt, I guess, because you managed to bring yourself to the point where yeah. you were like, I'm going to fight for the bronze, and then you got it. It's a great psychological achievement yeah. also. I think your part. the first thing that I felt is a relief. Yeah. In Israel, it seems that if you don't have an Olympic medal, it's, l it's like you didn't do it. Lee Kurzitz, for example, she's a surfer. She won four times the world championship. It's, an, it's a huge, it's an amazing uh, achievement. But she didn't win an Olympic medal. And it's like, ah, okay, she, she didn't do it. 
And in this, and I knew that I have to bring an Olympic medal in order to say, okay, I did it. You know, I have the stamp that I'm a good athlete. So I felt, I felt a relief. And then I felt happy with myself that after a very bad day, uh, when I was under a lot of pressure, I managed to win that medal. But few weeks, few months after Athens, I started to feel very angry at myself that it's only a bronze medal because I think I, I deserve better. That year from 2000 until 2004, I was, I was, except for one Japanese guy, I was the best in the world. You know, I, I, I won every tournament, three-time European champion. I think I, I deserved a better medal than a bronze and Olympic medal. But, but you didn't give up. No, I didn't give up. I decided you to continue. You had four more years. Yeah. <laughs> I decided to continue to four more years because I felt at my best after Athens. I felt that now that the Japanese retired, I I'm the best in the world. And I had a five-month five break after Athens. I went to India and Thailand for three months. I did a, my after-army uh, tour. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it was amazing. And when I came back, I still... I still was one of the best in the world. I won a medal in a tournament in European Championship. Even without training, I won the silver medal. I lost. I did a stupid mistake in the final and I lost. But I, I saw that I'm still good. And that year, the World Championship was uh, supposed to be held in Cairo, in Egypt. And my, my dream was to, be, to win a gold medal in Egypt, you know, to play the national anthem. And one week before the World Championship, I got injured in my shoulder. And I needed to do an operation and I didn't compete there. And I think from that moment, it's not that I was not good after the operation, but I wasn't like before. You know, the operation changed everything. It made me uh, stay out of judo for, four, for eight months. And the hand wasn't like before. There were techniques that I couldn't do after the operation. And I, I felt that I wasn't... Uh, I, I, w I was changed, you know. I started to walk differently. And, and from that point, I think I, I become... Worse and worse. I, I, I wasn't bad, yeah, because I won a lot of medals afterwards. But, but I. But you realized it in real time, or this is in retrospect? No, no, you... in retrospect. At that mm -hmm. time, after the operation, I remember that day after the operation, I told myself I become, I will be better. I will, I will make the hand even stronger than before, and I will work on. I will use these months to be, you know, I. I one of my biggest problem was that I wasn't uh, so uh, flexible. So at that time, right after the operation, I started working with the rhythmic gymnastic team to work on my uh, flexibility. I trained with them two, three times a week. You know, it was a little bit uh, hysterical to see all the girls, you know, with a leg like this. And I'm trying to do a, how do you say, <laughs> spagata? I don't know. A, split. Spl ah, split it, spagata. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I started working on different things to try to be better. And I know it was okay after the operation, but, it, you know, when you're out for eight months, a lot of young athletes are coming and, and suddenly blood. yeah exactly the map changed a little bit and yeah. and to beijing I I, I I i was in a good shape in beijing i came as an, an, a european medalist and i won a lot of medal before but in beijing i did a mental uh, mistake i didn't tell it to no one but i flew to beijing 12 days before the fight uh, the Olympic Committee told me, Arik, it's not good to come so early to the competition. You have to come five or six days before to use, you know, to get used to the time differences, but not to be too much in the Olympic Village. But I wanted to, to go out from Israel because I was under a lot of stress in Israel. Everybody's talking with you, you know, Israel has no problem to, to talk with you. So I wanted to be in the Olympic Village. But 
And in the beginning, it was good for me on the first day, on the third day. But after a while, I felt that I, I felt tired. I don't know how to explain it. It's like, I will tell you now, be, be, be ready. I'm, I'm wanna, uh, you need to run for 100 meter race, for example. I will tell you, be ready for, for, the, for the shot, okay? And you are ready and you are very concentrated and, and it takes a while and it takes a while. And after a while, you feel that you are not, you can't uh, reserve your focus. You, you start to, be, to feel a little bit tired and, and you are not focused enough. And when I'm shooting with a gun, suddenly you are, not, you are not focused enough. That's what I felt in Beijing, that after four, five, six, seven, eight days, I felt suddenly I felt tired. You know, I felt like I, I want to end with it. And when the day of the competition came, I felt that I'm not at my best. I felt very, very tired. I don't know how to explain it. And I, I did it. Like you got there too early. Exactly. The, the stress killed me. And uh, I told the Olympic Committee, the Gilly Lustig, the chairman, I told him, you were right. I, I, I shouldn't come so early to the competition because the Olympic Village is, is very stressful. You know, all the media is there and all the guys who are in charge of the Olympic Committee are there and everybody's talking about, about the competition. And it's very... It's huge. Uh, yeah, it's very... It's dangerous. probably empty at yeah. that point, right? I'm, I'm like also, I also tell the, the guys that I'm coaching right now, it's not, it's not good to leave the day of competitions too early. Okay, one day before it's okay, you know, but, but to live it every day, every day, it's wearing you out. So yeah. that, that was a huge mistake of mine. So let's, let's uh, skip to the end because yeah. we don't have much time left. But <laughs> I want to speak about, uh, you mentioned, uh, what was it, 2012 was London? My, my last Olympic Games. Yeah. So you said you, uh, you lost in, in what, 20 For, seconds? 43. 43 seconds. Yeah. 43 seconds. Yeah. And your new podcast, Plug... Let's plug it. Yeah. Is called forty three in 40, Hebrew. Forty three yeah. seconds. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, no. It's amazing that you that you named the podcast forty yeah. three seconds. I think that's pretty cool because it's a very special moment for me. First of all, it's my biggest failure. I think my biggest fear happened that moment because you know Olympic athlete, his fear is to come to the Olympic game to come as a favorite for a medal. I, I came as the European champion. I, I won three months before the European title. I became the oldest ever won the European title. At least I have one international record. <laughs> and I lost in the first round after 43 seconds, where all in front of all the Israeli people, you know, I, I think around 1,000 people came to watch me in the competition, but all the rest show me on, saw me on TV. And to lose after one, it's to a guy that I won four times before. It's, it's the, how do you say it? The, the worst scenario I could have imagined happened that moment. And I also needed to retire. I knew that this is my last competition. And I think that the that that's the thing who really made me feel bad. Because after, every time I lost, the thing who, who, who helped me recover from that loss is the, the fact that I know that there is another competition. I can I can be better at that you know I can took that burn and to use it and now I was sitting there in the warming up area in London after my loss and I realized that I have nothing to fix you know this is my last competition the, I lost on the final line and it's a very uh, it was very difficult moment for me How I've, old are you by then Almost 36 I was very very old I think a few weeks after London, a very well-known guy told me something that really helped me to recover from that loss. Uh, his name is Amir Eshel. He was the 
head of the Israeli Air Force. Yeah, exactly. Back then, he was the head of the Israeli Air Force. And uh, he called me. I didn't know him before. And he told me, Eric, it's Amir Eshel. I told him, hi, nice to meet you. And he told me, I want to say to you, Kol HaKavod, bravo. I told him, I don't know what you mean. I lost after 40, 43 seconds. And he told me, listen, Eric, your, your career is not the photo of your loss. Your career, it's a full-length movie. It's an amazing sentence. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize, you know, when, you, we are f when, we, when we fail, we always focus on that moment, on that photo. And we can't see at that moment that this photo is one photo of... It's, I, a, col I, it's a collage. Yeah, it's a collage, exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and then I, look at, uh, I looked at my career and I remember that for the first time that I trained judo, I was seven years old in a community center, in the shelter there. And then I won nine medals in the European Championship, four of them were gold, I won a silver medal in the World Championship, I won an Olympic medal. And if you would have told me back then that I will be, I will be an Olympic athlete, will participate in four Olympic Games from that shelter, I think you, I would have think you are crazy. So I think he helped me to see things in, in perspective. I think it's, it's like ironic that your greatest psychological battle happened after your career was over, like right <laughs> to like... Exactly. tackle that 43 seconds exactly. but it sounds correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds to me that you still think about those moments of course somebody asked me two years after london do you still think about london so i told him i will tell you something a few weeks ago i had a dream on my on my lost in athens in 2004 <laughs> and i couldn't <laughs> sleep all night so now you can imagine how i feel about london so from time to time it's it, it attacks me, you know, I also giving lectures about it. So I was always living that moment, but it's not that I'm walking with that and I'm feeling that all day, but it's something when I'm thinking about my career, it, I really, I don't want to say hate myself because I don't hate myself, but I really feel bad at my career as this lost in the end. I think it's a... You think to your last day, you'll feel those feelings. Yeah, I think every guy, if he's very honest with himself, even Michael Jordan, if you will ask him about his career, I'm sure that he have a game that I hate myself, that I didn't score that ball and I didn't want that championship. I'm sure of that. If you're a competitive athlete, you always have a moment that you are sorry that you didn't want that match or win that medal. And I think my, my problem is that when I'm, when I'm thinking about athletes that were in my age from different countries, and I see their uh, resume that they have two Olympic medals or they won a world championship. And I know that I, I was better than them, technical and even mental. But I don't know, maybe because I came from Israel, something, you know, helped me a little bit. You know, I always say that the Israeli athlete has this glass ceiling on top of his head. It's very difficult to break this glass ceiling. You mentioned that we have only nine Olympic medals. We are ranked number 89 in the world. And there's... I don't know why. There's nothing wrong with the Israeli mentality. Otherwise, we won't be so successful in high tech. We won't have one of the strongest army in the world. We won't have so many Nobel Prize winners. And there's nothing wrong with the Jewish gene. I checked it out. There are more than 700 Olympic medals gained by Jews. Mark Spitz, seven Olympic medals. Agnes Kelly. So there's something wrong with the system in Israel. And there's something wrong. There are no uh, role models. Now you said why we are good in judo because there are a lot of medals in judo. We, we managed to break the glass ceiling. So now every young athlete, young cadet who are competing in judo, he said, I want to bring an Olympic medal. Why not? Smadja brought it, Arik brought it, Orisa Son did it. Why can't I do it? 
And in the States, it's very common, you know, every basketball player want to play in the NBA. Every athlete want to win an Olympic medal, you know. It's, this is a working, how do, how do I call it, our working environment. If your working environment is it's successful, like in Israeli high-tech, so you will be successful. Mm-hmm. So what, let's talk about what you've been up to in recent years. You, you are yeah. doing things to change that. Of course, I established a non-profit organization who's supposed to make a, a big change in Israel Olympic sport. Uh, I think Israel is supposed to be in a, in, in a better place. And it's not that I think that Israel... We, I knew that we are not good at sport, but in London Olympic game, something happened that made me realize that our, uh, we are in a bad situation. I drove back to the Olympic village with a friend of mine from Hungary. It was on the fourth day of the Games. And he asked me, tell me, Eric, how many Olympic medals Israel has? So I told him seven. We had only seven back then. So I told him, wow, amazing. You, you mean only now in London, yes? I told him, are you crazy? We are on the fourth day. I'm telling you in all our history, in all sports. And I saw that he was shocked. And I asked him, why are you so shocked? You are from Hungary. You are not from the United States. And he told me, I don't know. We have 145 gold medal, 164 silver medal, 452 Olympic medal Hungary had. Now they have 491. And now it was my turn to be in shock. And for the first time in my life, I started to find out how many Olympic medals as countries with the same population as Israel. And I realized that Bulgaria is 217, and Finland is 303, Denmark 194, and even the tiny Liechtenstein <laughs> had nine <laughs> Olympic medals. I hate Liechtenstein. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that we need to change something in Israel. So the thing I'm doing with my nonprofit is that first, first of all, I'm scouting the talented kids. I'm going to schools, elementary schools, and I'm scouting the talented kids. You will be amazed. 80% of the girls that I scouted didn't do sport before. They went to dancing, you know, to the Boy Scouts of him. I don't know how we call it in English. They're not doing sports. You know, in Israel, girls are not doing sports. It's like it's not for girls. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about soccer. Though. In, in the United States, it's the, the, the most popular sport for, for women. In Israel, yeah. they're not. Some of them are going to rhythmic gymnastic or to dance. First of all, I'm scouting the kids. Second of all, I'm nurturing them. I give them the opportunity to train in different sports with the best coaches in Israel. Because the problem in Israel is that the, all the sports is in uh, private clubs. And in private clubs, the coach is, is getting paid according to the number of athletes. He's not trying to make them great because if you will, will make the training uh, difficult, so a lot of kids will leave. You have to make it. Like, it's like, a, how do you call it, a sportive babysitter. That's the sport in Israel. Mm-hmm. And the third thing that I'm doing in my nonprofit is that I'm aiming... Uh, every athlete to the sport that is suitable for his talent. Because now in Israel, you see many kids are going to play basketball because their friends are in basketball. And, and they can be very talented in basketball, but you will see that, you will see the parents and you will see that he won't be a basketball player because he will be, you know, one meter 80. I don't know how to call it, to do it in... Uh, five foot five. Five foot five. Okay, <laughs> in foot, it's, uh, it's too difficult for me. And And... Six foot is even short for basketball. So. Six foot is what? 180? Six it's foot? like 180, yeah, 182. Whatever. I'm 185. Yeah, I'm yeah. maximum in yeah. Israeli guard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, he's very talented. He can be very good at judo. He can very be the taekwondo. He can be very good. But he's in basketball because his coach telling him, yeah, you can be a basketball player. So the thing I'm doing, I'm, first of all, I'm scouting. Then I'm nurturing them. And then I'm aiming them to the right sport. And... We have a very big success now. I have a very special project in long distance running for the Ethiopian community. Wow. The Ethiopian community has, has a very special talent. They are good at uh, long distance running. It's, and 
I'm doing it in Petah Tikva and in Atania. We went to all the elementary schools there with two coaches, one of the best coaches in Israel, Gizacho and Zmiro. And we founded the talented kids. We have 50 kids who are running for us. And they're training three or four times a week in order to be an Olympic athlete. Last year in the Israeli championship in uh, field running, all the podium was kids from my uh, project. First place, second place, and bronze medal. We took the first place in a club competition till the age of 12. <coughs> and I think this is the, the, the way to succeed. First of all, you have to try to find the talented kids, then to try to give them the, the best coaches you can, you can get, and then to navigate them to the right sport. Not to do judo because your coach is your neighbor, to do judo <laughs> because it's fit for your abilities. And I think uh, eight years from now, that's the, the, the biggest problem in my project. It's a very long distance uh, project. Eight years from now, you will see a change in Israel, in Israel's sport. What's the NGO called? Uh, IFOE, Israeli Foundation of Olympic Excellence. And you accept donations? What do you mean? For, for the NGO. Like, can people donate? Of course. How? Ah, donation, I think. Yeah. First of all, you can go to my website, ifoeorg.com, and you can see you have a browser that you can donate there. And right now, all my donations are from Israel, from companies like Banca Poalim, or from Arison uh, Family, or from Yaakov uh, Shachar uh, from Volvo. I will tell you a secret. When I established my nonprofit, I realized that I have to bring a chairman that, he, first of all, he likes sports, and then he can, he can bring money, can help me bring money. So I called Ehud Olmert, the former prime minister. He's, he's crazy about sport, and he really wanted to help me. And he told me, okay, we will be a very big uh, gala with a lot of uh, b- famous people, rich people that will help you. You have to, I think your goal is to, to try to raise $2 million. I told him, okay, I aim for two million shekel, but if you can bring two million dollars, it's okay. And then uh, Shula Zaken decided to reverse her. Uh, ah, that was before. Before, before the sentence, of the course. Sentence. Before. And then he was mm. focused with his sentence, and then uh, mm. so uh-huh. I'm raising the money by himself, not <laughs> so successful, but that's what I'm doing. We uh, have some pretty. Uh, yeah, some of our listeners uh, have some money. Really? So, yeah, so they say. So maybe, yeah, With pleasure. you never know yeah. who listens. So ifoeorg.com. Exactly, yeah. Oh, no spaces, no hyphens, no anything. Nothing. Ifoeorg.com. Yeah. I have to ask you one, one last thing. Yeah. You said Amir Eshel told you that yeah. your life is a full-length movie. Yeah. So would you say this movie is a tragedy, a comedy, <laughs> or maybe, I don't know. Uh, an inspirational film i'm i'm very uh there are times that i when i look at my ca- my career i'm very proud of it because you know i have nine medals in the european championship i'm the third in in the history of the european judo i'm the oldest ever won the european title my silver medal in the world championship was a very uh historic moment in the world of judo because I won it in the open category not in my category with all the heavy guys I won 150 kilo guys there so I'm very proud of my career but on the second hand there are times that I'm looking at my career and I'm very upset with myself that I have only one Olympic medal and I don't have a gold uh, medal in the world championship and I didn't want my fifth European so I'm very but if if I need to choose uh, uh, I think I, I'm very proud of my career, if I have to choose one. 
And you know what? <laughs> if if your project will bring us dozens of medals, then it'll be tikkun olam. Exactly. I think this is my goal to try to uh, improve the sport from from the different uh, side. I don't know. To me, it's uh, I don't think there's a tikkun olam needed. Like it's obvious. <laughs> it's it's amazing how someone can reach such heights and still be kind of uh, wrought with these like distraught with kind of these inner battles. Like I, I, I tell you. The, the fight that I lost because I did a mistake, I'm not thinking about it because I did a mistake. You know, I, I took a decision and it was wrong. I'm always thinking about mistakes that happened because I grew up in Israel. Because if I was a Japanese athlete or an American, I won't have that force before. If you were Japanese, you would kill yourself after <laughs> the first. <laughs> and and I, I'm thinking a lot about mistakes that the referee did because I know that there is a connection that we are from Israel. Not because of the anti-Semitic. No, not because of that. Because it's very easy to make mistakes against uh, small countries. If you will see statistics, you will see that most of the mistakes are happened against Israel, Slovakia, you know. It's not against United States, Germany, Italy, Russia. And, and I know that I always like that sport is fair. You know, if you deserve a medal, you get it. If you are not deserve it, it's okay to lose it. That's sports. And, and I think that my career could have been a little bit different if the referee won't do that mistakes. I could have been a lot better. But no. On the other hand, I, I think about it, okay, let's say I have now an, two Olympic medals. In Sydney, for example, I won that bronze medal. Would my life be, will be different? I don't think so. So it's a very philosophical question. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And if you speak Hebrew, a new podcast, uh, 43 Seconds by Alex Zevi. Okay. It's going to be out in a few... Next week, I think. Next week. Yeah. Okay. Sounds super interesting. Yeah. Thank you. You I have some like, really prominent guests, right? Can you say who you Yeah, have? of course. My first guest is Adir Miller. I think the best comedian, comedian in Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the second guest is Leo Raz from Fauda. Yeah. Ayelet uh, Shaked, the politician. Amazing. Yeah. And the fourth one is uh, Leo Sushard. The mentalist. The mentalist. My fifth guest is uh, Dana Weiss from the news. And then the list is... Uh, to be continued. Yeah, to be continued, exactly. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank man. you so much for coming. We Thank really you. appreciate it. Before we go, we have a sponsorship uh, with the Forward. Yes, forward.com. Visit forward.com slash 2NJB to get a special offer. You get uh, six months for 10 bucks. That's like like 60 70 off and it supports the podcast uh, support the podcast forward.com they have great content uh opinion news ultra jewish everything forward.com slash 2njb also arutz sheva israel national news.com check them out for great content in english yes, about yes. israel and last but not least ajn.timesofisrael.com the australian um, jewish news. australian jewish news check <laughs> them out another great uh jewish news source um and of course we also accept donations yes. so we do this on our free time guys if you guys want to help us out visit 2njb.com slash donate Alex you're on Zevi. social media excuse me you're on social yeah, of media course, of course how can people reach out find you just are exactly everywhere yeah facebook TikTok. Is, I, TikTok, no, no. <laughs> Not TikTok. <laughs> i'm 43 years old yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much thank you so much thank you. bye guys bye, bye.